I'm Al Head, Director of the Alabama State Council on the Arts, and I want to welcome you to Alabama Arts Radio Series. Each week we will be introducing you to some exceptional artists and other special people who make the arts happen in Alabama. This program will feature the visual, performing, and literary arts, as well as folk arts, which are so much a part of our state's rich cultural heritage. Alabama is the home of a wide range of gifted and creative people who make important contributions to our unique cultural environment. Each week, members of the council staff will be visiting with some of these special people and introducing you to some of our state's most valuable human resources. This is a rebroadcast from a program originally aired in 2008. Fiddler William Jean Ivey of Eider died March 16th of 2014. He was a good friend to the Arts Council, a master fiddler and instrument maker, who was devoted to teaching his music to young people and keeping the old-time string band music of Sand Mountain alive for future generations. Hello, this is Ann Kimsey with the Alabama State Council on the Arts. We're here today with Gene Ivey in his workshop. Uh, Mr. Ivey lives in Eider, Alabama, on Sand Mountain in northeast Alabama. Mr. Ivey is a fiddler and also makes fiddles. And we also have a friend and neighbor of his, Jody Pryor, who plays guitar and is also from Eider. And then we have a student of Mr. Ivey's, Joseph Coleman of Trenton. Hello, everyone. Hey, hey. Mr. Ivey. How long have you lived here in Eider? All told, 40 years, I guess. And where did you grow up? Mostly in Jackson County, around Scottsboro and Dutton and Section. And lived in Huntsville a while. Come back here in 1953 and been here ever since. And what did you do for a living? I was uh, in a service station, auto repair, and tire business. How long have you been playing music? Well, I started with my first fiddle when I was 10 years old on a toy fiddle, but I got my first fiddle when I was between 11 and 12 years old, and I've tried a little ever since. And how did you get interested? What made you want to play? When I first, I remember when I first began noticing fiddling, I just liked it. It excited me and appealed to me. I had a brother-in-law that was a fiddler, and I remember when I was about four years old, there was another man got with him that picked a banjo, and and they'd sit and play, and it just the best thing I ever heard, you know. And I remember they'd pull me back out of the way. I'd try to get up right in the middle of it, and I just loved the fiddle music and wanted to do it. And then you began making your own fiddles, right? That come on a lot later. I didn't build a fiddle till 1967. And I wanted to a long time, but I never could uh, get at it, didn't know anything about it. And finally, I started my first one in 1967, and I built two and quit for a year or two, then built another two, then it was just a hobby. And I built about 30 or 35 fiddles while I was in the tar business. Then after I come home here, I built about 100 in this building here. All told, 136 fiddles I built. And you mentioned that your uh, workshop here burned down not too long ago? Uh, five years ago, April 2003, lightning hit a tree here beside of it and burned the building. 
learn everything. All instruments. I didn't even have a fiddle to play. Jody here brought me his fiddle, and I used it till a friend of mine gave me a fiddle. And I played it till I built some more. Got the building mate back and built some more fiddles. So you built your shop back? Yeah, with neighbors like Jody and a lot of others just come in and done more work than I did. They built it back, and a lot of them was always giving. Like a man gave me one of those band saws there, and one guy brought a load of lumber that I ordered from a mill and drove off and left it and wouldn't take any pay, and just things like that. That makes me want to live on Sand Mountain, you know, because we got, we got the best people in the world here. I wanted to ask Jody, how did you first become aware of Mr. Ivy and his music? Well, I've known him all my life. When I was about four, we started going to church at Five Points where him and his wife Louise went. I remember seeing him then. He'd stand up and play the fiddle. And I, I, so I guess I've known about his fiddle playing and him too all my life. I've never not known it. <laughs> Is he an important part of the music here on Sand Mountain? I believe so. Just about anybody who does any playing will say that. So, yeah, I'd say he's a, a real big part of it. And how long have y'all played together? Well, originally I started taking lessons from him, fiddle lessons, when I was about five or six, and that didn't last long. I learned one song and quit. But after that, I about when I was 16 or 17, started coming to a shop and picking up a little bit on the guitar. And that's, I guess, about 11 years ago. So. All told, 11 years. I want to talk to uh, Joseph Coleman here, who is from Trenton, and I want you to tell me how you got to know Mr. Ivy. Well, we went to a church, and my mom had been looking around for fiddle lessons or violin lessons, and a lady had told my mom that her mother had taken lessons from Mr. Ivy. So Mama called him, and he didn't have a spot for about six months, so we would call back every month and he had a spot finally and um he took me on tell the audience how old you are i'm 14. and so how long have you been studying with this driving i would say about three years in addition to learning to play the fiddle what else have you learned well i take fencing classes down in chattanooga and I milk goats at our house. Um, I was going to ask you about building the fiddles. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, it's I enjoy it. I've working with wood quite a bit, and I came in and just kind of got interested with it and helped him a little bit on the one he made for me. And he told me I could start to learn, and I, I built one with him, and then I built another one, and I'm working on another one now. So you're working on your third one? Yes, ma'am. And how do they sound? They sound pretty good. His fiddles sound just as good as mine. I, of course, stood over him and tried to show him everything about how to build them. And there had been a few times on this first one that it come to a strategic point that I was afraid he might mess his wood up and I would do some little something for him. Then let him watch it done, and on his next ones, he could do it. And he got some good fiddles over there. He's carrying one to the picnic tomorrow. It's for sale, and and they play good. He's got two over there that he built, and one he put the top on this morning here. 
So he's doing real good. I noticed he carried a neck block home a while back and whittled his neck out. He uh, brought it back, and he had a good job. He had a pretty job on the neck. Is Joseph the first student you've taught to make fiddles? Or? No, I taught LeBron Beatty down at Sylvania. He's, he was a grown family man, and he worked on a regular job, and it took him eight or nine months coming by here, working just a little time to build his first one. Then after he built it, he went building on his own, and he builds fine fiddles, beautiful fiddles. He's supposed to be with us tomorrow. He's built 60-something fiddles. I heard he's done really well. I saw an article in a magazine. I'm not, I don't remember which magazine. Yeah, he's nice enough. He always, always tells people that I taught him, and that makes me feel good because he builds such nice fiddles, you know. He's been real good about that, and... And I don't know if anybody around can beat him building a nice fiddle. He does does real good. He had a deal with Gibson people in Nashville and furnished them fiddles there for a few months. Working his regular job, he couldn't keep his order that they wanted, and he got out of that. But they bought several of his fiddles. Now, I did want to mention that Mr. Ivey is a master folk artist with the Alabama State Council on the Arts Alabama Folk Arts Apprenticeship Program, which identifies different master artists around the state, some musicians and some craftspeople. Of course, Mr. Ivey is both a musician and a, a craftsperson, and the point of the program is to encourage uh, the masters to carry on their legacy and help teach their skills to a new generation, which Mr. Ivey does very well. You've taught a number of students. About how many students do you have at one time? Usually anywhere from four to six. I try to work and just fit them in where I can do it without taking up a lot of my time, which I don't mind if it's necessary. I don't ever charge them anything. I just do it to try to pass it on to them and one lady said, you can't do that. And I said, well, good Lord, give it to me. Why can't I give it away, you know? So I don't charge them anything. And, and, and for teaching them to build, that's, if I can just do that for them, I'd pay enough. That's enough pay. What does that mean to you to be able to pass on those skills? That's a lot. We was talking earlier today how you'd think maybe 50 years from now somebody might be playing my fiddle so that name's still there they might not know me or any of my kin folks but my name's still out there I may have gone on but I left a mark maybe you know uh, it, it's a thrill and people scattered all over the country got them I know some one I know of in Las Vegas and one somewhere in California and then there in Virginia and Tennessee and Mississippi and Florida and Texas, all around. And I kind of like to brag about an order I got last week. A man from Toronto, Canada ordered one. He got with a friend of mine on the Internet, and so he found out about the fiddle, so he ordered one. So it makes you feel good. Not that I've done anything special, but it don't hurt to feel good about it, you know. You mentioned tomorrow that you're going to see some people and, and tell us about this gathering that you have put together. We started calling it Old Fiddler's Day. There was an old gentleman here 
around us that I always thought was the best old-time fiddler I ever heard, and he was the best in our country. I learned to think a lot of him, and he'd come to the shop when I was in the auto repair business, and we'd play. And So when I retired and moved home and built my shop, I thought, well, I'm going to set a day aside for all these old fiddlers to get together. And I did, and uh, that old fella died two weeks before we had our first picnic. But, and then since then, some of his older friends is gone. But anyway, uh, it's more or less in memory of them, Old Fiddler's Reunion. And who were some of these old fiddlers? Who was the, the original? He was 86 years old when he died 15 years ago, so he went way back. And, and who is this? Noah Lacey. I think he his name's probably on the Arts Council deal, too, because he, he is. was affiliated with them. And I know one time they called him down to play some at some program they had down there. And I had a chance to go with him just to f- play guitar with him. But it was a unhandy deal for me, and his granddaughter's husband went with him and uh, played the guitar for him. He was a fine, fine man. Yes, he he's one of our Alabama Folk Heritage Award winners, I think is yeah. what you're referring to. Yeah. Who are some of the other fiddlers around on Sand Mountain that you honor at Old Fiddler's Day? Jess Moore that died uh, a year ago. He was 93 when he died. Uh, he'd been playing here all of his life, I reckon, and then there was uh, Lloyd Height down here that was well-known in this area. He's dead also. Then there's a lot my age and younger that's still around that's playing and be at the picnic tomorrow, I hope. There's supposed to be a bunch of them there. Now, why do you think there's so much music on Sand Mountain? <laughs> I don't know. There wasn't anything else to do on them cold winter nights and no electricity and no cars or nothing. These muddy roads, you had to do something. No, they would uh, get together and uh, pop some popcorn or something and have a little candy pulling or something, and the people would play and just get together and have good friendship visits, you know. But there is a lot of uh, music on this mountain. You know, the Leuven Brothers was right down the road here, eight miles, I guess, or less than that. And different ones. There was a guy that played with Low Red Land a long time from over here at Rosalie, played guitar, and the guy that fiddled for him may still be little Paul Justice raised just 20 miles from me down here. A lot, of, a lot of good musicians around. How do you describe the kind of music you play? For a while, when I'd play with a group... While I lived in Huntsville around, we played country and western swing type music, Sons of the Pioneer stuff and all that. But here, the only way I could just say it's just old hillbilly fiddling. Mountain music, I guess you'd call it. It's, it wouldn't be attached to anything that's got a name, I guess, other than homespun music, you know. Well, let's hear some of that music right now.
we're going to take a short break. The Alabama Arts Radio Series is presented to you by the Alabama State Council on the Arts in cooperation with Troy University Radio. The Council is the official state arts agency in Alabama with a mandate to support the broadest range of artistic resources throughout the state. The Council emphasizes educational programs that reach students of all ages and works to provide all sectors of the population with access to quality arts experiences. For information about the Council's grant programs and various forms of technical assistance, call area code 334-242-4076 or visit our website at arts.alabama.gov. We're back and we're speaking with Gene Ivey of Eider, Alabama, and Jody Pryor on guitar and Joseph Coleman, another fiddler. Now, I want to ask a little more about how you make your fiddles. I guess you start off with some good wood. What type of wood do you use? We try to have a good grade of curly maple. It's a good hard wood and it's pretty. I don't think the curl helps the sound, but it's easier to look at. It's pretty. Of course, all of it's maple except the top. It's spruce. It's got a softer tone than that hardwood. And the first one I made, I didn't know a thing about it, but I ordered a, a blueprint from the Roth Company and got my size of the fiddle, the overall size. And then I ended up building a little oversized by accident. But uh, for the first one, I guess it's all right. Just had to let my mistakes be my education, I reckon, learn from them and try to do better next time. And, but never had any training anybody that built fiddles to work with them or anything. Just, I guess you'd say just a self-learned or self-made thing. What are the most challenging parts to make on the fiddle? The chin rest, we can make that out of the curly maple and put on the fiddle. But the keys and the fingerboard and usually the tailpiece that the strings hook to, they're usually ebony. We order that stuff. We don't have that kind of wood. So other than that, the small parts like you're talking about and the rest of it's are regular maple and spruce. Can you tell me about one of the tunes you play? Well, there's one this guy in uh, New York wrote, and it was used in the movie of the North and South that we saw on TV a lot. It was a theme song. His name was Guy Unger from New York, and he called it Ashoka's Farewell. Well, let's hear that one then.
Uh, tell me about the um, boiling cabbage down. Well, that's just an old mountain tune here that's got a lot of good rhythm. They use it a lot in square dancing. and It's one that a lot of the kids want to learn, but it's not one of the first ones. They have to know more about the bow movements of the fiddle and their fiddle neck and finger work before they can get into that, but it's just a good old hold-down square dance foot stomping <laughs> music, you know. And, but it's not one that they'll learn in the beginning. It's on down the road a little ways. Tell me about the hoedowns and square dances. Did you have those growing up? Do they, you still have anything of that type around here? Not right around here anymore that I know of. We used to ride a lot of horses and had saddle clubs. and That's the last square dances I played for. Our club had one once a month. Then the other clubs would have one. But anyway, that's the last square dances that I played. That's been several years ago. It, it was hard work play two or three hours that fast. Uh, now you mentioned you teach uh, several students at a time. Uh, can you talk about some of your students? Well, there's two or three that I think was outstanding. Of course, uh, Joseph here is one of them. And then there's a girl a year older than Joseph, Callista Bell. She's doing real good. She's supposed to be at the picnic tomorrow. And then there's an older girl she started when she was 15, and she is 22 when she quit here, and she got married, and she's supposed to be back tomorrow, and she did real good. She is a good fiddler. But that's something that stuck out in my mind, that they tried hard and was doing so good, you know. Well, I want to thank 
all of you for speaking with me here today. This is Ann Kimsey with the Alabama State Council on the Arts. The State Council on the Arts makes hundreds of grants each year with a combination of state and federal funds. However, there is another grants program in the state where you can be a direct contributor. Individuals can help increase arts funding by purchasing a Support the Arts card tag. By purchasing one of these specialty tags, you are supporting a wide range of arts programming with a particular emphasis on arts education in Alabama. The funds generated from the sale of these tags are allocated by a statewide arts tag committee, which places a high priority on arts activities in the schools and programs outside of the classroom that have strong educational components. This program was brought to you by the Alabama State Council on the Arts and the Alabama Center for Traditional Culture. Technical production by Steve Grauberger. All radio programs can be heard online at alabamaartsradio.com. Series theme music, The Bounds of Beauty, was composed and performed by Scooter Muse. Music